make the folks go down. And make the folks go down. Horns make the people turn up. Afraid. This is the future. I know you ain't met. I'll introduce ya. They might be cool, but we are cooler. We got class, so let us school ya. Fresh to death, like a million bucks. I might just go a year in bow ties and chucks. Might just go to church in the all white tux. Yeah, your boy fly, so you know what's up. What's up? Can the church say amen? Can the church say amen? I'm here for that. When the system don't love us, justice for the brothers. Yeah, yeah, I'm here for that. You can tell all the haters with no hesitation. I'll take the reparation. I'm here for that. And tell all the rappers with the pippin' pippin' murder, sell drugs and their music. I ain't feeling that. Woo! I just do it for the love. I do it for the love. I do it. I do it for the nerds and the thugs, those overcoming drugs. I'm here for that. Huh. Give the children a little purpose. Tell the politicians they serve us. Make them nervous, I know they hurt us. Tell them we came here for the turn up. Uh, love over hate, love over hate. I'm here for that. Real over fake, real over fake. I'm here for that. Truth and faith, truth and faith. I'm here for that. Beauty and grace, beauty and grace. I'm here for that. If you're here for the love, if you're here for the love, for the love. If you're here for the love, if you're here for the love, for the love. If you're here for the love. I'm here for the youngest with they pants sagging. The homies is flagging and some say, what up, cuz, or what's bracket? Nothing lacking on the corner bread stacking. Pray to God that nobody had to toe tag him. He ain't been trapping in a minute. Use the re-up money for the ties and the rent. Told his baby mama that he love her any minute. Pastor dipped him in the water after he repented. Granny told him he don't need a suit when he in church. Straight up out the street, I think he make the deacons nervous. We just trying to learn a worm key from getting murdered. We be on that curtain, Kendrick's on the service. You can call it worship. Some man rice then got us nervous. Innocent killed like Christ is how they hurt us. But I'm here for that. Probably ain't gonna get a lot of cheers for that. Uh. I just do it for love. I do it for love. I do it. I do it for the broken, the poor, those often ignored. I'm here for that. Tell them we woke and we alert now. Yeah. I promise there's healing for your hurt now. Yeah. Tell them we came to put in work now. Yeah. Can I get an amen from the church now? Love over hate. Love over hate. I'm here for that. Real over fake. Real over fake. I'm here for that. And faith, truth and faith, I'm here for that. Beauty and grace, beauty and grace, I'm here for that. If you're here for the love, if you're here for the love, for the love. If you're here for the love, if you're here for the love, for the love. If you're here for the love, if you're here for the love, for the love. If you're here for the love, if you're here for the love, for the love. For my sister, she be fighting for that justice. On their wives and kids, yeah, I'm here for that. My wife is classy, but a little ratchet, yeah, I'm here for that. West Coast feeling, but I still live in the A home, boy, I'm here for that. When I walk in the courthouse, there's a case out, definitely here for that. 
You know when that unexpected check comes to the mail, cuz I'm here for that. Always here for that. I'm always on here for that. Gotta love it, gotta love it, gotta love it, gotta love it, gotta love it. I'm here for that. It needs to be broadened, you know, beyond the understanding that black women are strong in body, um, souls, that doesn't and so we're not only strong, we are, we are helpers, we are lovers, we are fighters, you know, we, we love strong, but we are also human, you know, that means we're vulnerable, you know, we are, we, we hurt. You know, we ache like everybody else. Uh, we need somebody to to be strong for us when we are taking the bumps, the bruises. We're here on the front lines fighting so many battles that many people are not privy to. You know, we are so sisters. We are aunts. You know, we are deaconesses. We, we, we are leaders in our churches. You know, we are speakers. We are writers. You know, we, we are uh, corporate, you know, uh, CEO board advocates we need our brothers to stand up and defend black womanhood don't silence us you know be happy that we're here we're here to enable you and to empower you but we also need that empowerment to go both ways good morning good morning good morning oh my goodness i love that album so much it's called the narrative and it's so played in my house to the point that my girls know nearly every single word um that was my brother and my friend and in my opinion a lyrical prophet of our time show baraka i've been rocking with him since 2008 if you like what you heard consider blessing him and um with your support um by going to barakaology.com I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes for you. There's no sponsorship here. So yeah, just want to make that clear. I just love my people and I'm here for that. You like what I did there? A little play on words. <laughs> it's too early for that. It is officially Friday. I usually record these Thursday nights and then upload on Friday mornings, but it is three o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the morning on Friday. Um, I'm up because I am doing some work and uh was trying to get some notes together for this episode um but it's also been a really busy week for me um hopefully i don't sound like i'm whispering i'm trying not to wake up my children but um yeah it's been a super busy week for me um yeah physically draining in a lot of ways um i'm not sick praise the lord but it's just been it's just been draining um it's been effective though i've been able to get a lot of things done and i've also had some intentionally pensive moments and i think those were definitely necessary especially as i make every effort to get myself out of neutral in my own life <laughs> this week has been all about getting out of my head in particular and um really you know just risking being and doing um i think sometimes i feel divided within myself trying to decide which i should trust more whether i should trust my mind or my heart and the reality is much of the time my mind needs daily renewal and honestly my heart just leads to solely choosing desires for myself you know what i mean so i can't fully rely on those options especially when it comes to making life altering or what i like to call crossroad de decisions um and so it just comes down for me it just comes down to courage and the courage to be and to do can only be found in literally trusting the holy spirit and being led by him step by step 
And there's just really no peace in being divided, no matter how much I try to convince myself that I can function in that way. It just doesn't work. So at the end of the day, I just need to lean in to the Lord and depend on him. And I know that unfortunately, I'm not the only one who goes through this. If you know, then you know. And frankly speaking, I know that this is also a very real reality that is true for the church. And that is what I would like to talk with you all about this morning. This is Tether Talk, a podcast for women where we talk about the truths that influence our identities, guide our choices, form our future, and lead us to the hope that steadies our hearts. Let's pull back the layers, uncover the lies, and hold on to the only truth that satisfies. So it's church week here on Tether Talk. This month we're talking neutrality and I would like to just get in there and let's see how this kind of plays out in the church. So last week I shared a few scriptures encouraging us to kind of come out of neutral, one of which was James 2, 14 through 26. And in summary, those verses just emphasize that faith without works is useless. And um, it specifically says, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead and faith is justified by works as it stands in my opinion the church seems to have been divided on the issue of faith and works for centuries and if it wasn't the case then i don't believe james would have been writing about it or felt so compelled to instruct us to truth in this regard um in the western hemisphere in the western church like divisions are everywhere unfortunately And typically, from what I see, they fall in three major categories. And this is frustrating to me. It just really is. Because I'm just like, yo, like we should not even be arguing about stuff like this. Like the Bible is very plain and clear about these topics um, or these categories or these, you know, whatever you want to call them. The Bible is actually very clear about these. But for whatever reason, you know, people get caught up in, in their perspectives. They get caught up in their opinions. And um, it's very difficult for them to relinquish those things. So politics, (laughs) race, gender, and all of these fall under the umbrella of theology, right? Because everyone thinks that they have the right way to go about it, right? Um, And unfortunately, not all theology is good theology. And I personally believe that what is wholesome and what is true Um, what we are to rightly divide is the word of God itself. And yeah, you know what? I know we have a lot of people out there who want to question uh, translations and things like that. Listen, I feel like that's so petty in my opinion. Now, granted, there are some translations that are just, I mean, they're as watered down as watered down could be. You might as well just, you know, summarize the Bible all day long. (laughs) You might as well do that. But um, but there are some that have been tested over a period of time that we can trust. And frankly speaking, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And so if you read anything that comes within the pages of, of 
any good book that is entitled the Holy Bible, the full Holy Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, and you read it and you are depending on the Holy Spirit to teach you or to give you wisdom or guidance in that, trust that he will do that. You know, we don't have to be arguing. I think Paul says, you know, we're not arguing uh, the scriptures. Like, I'm not I'm not wasting my time doing that. The word will defend itself at the end of the day. And if you're a child of God, you're enlightened by the Holy Spirit. If you're not, the Holy Spirit will still enlighten your heart to understand the things of the Father. Um, and, and if it's that, if it's, which is why, frankly, Jesus spoke in parables, because there are so many things about heaven, things about, about the kingdom that we would not understand unless he put it in plain terms. At the end of the day, depend on the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and revelation about his word. Anyway, politics, race, gender, all falling under the, the umbrella of theology. What do any of these things have to do with faith? Our works or what we do in regard to these things as a church directly reveals our faith and what we do and why we do what we do. I'll say that again. Our works or what we do in regards to these things, whether politics, race, gender, theology even, what we do with these things as a church directly relates, uh, reveals our faith and why we do what we do. We have seen over time, we have seen our deficiency in works throughout history. But in recent years, it's become increasingly clear that our faith is actually wearing down. The reality is many churchgoers have become neutral in principle and in practice. They've lost the purpose of what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ and our and and God's heart for humanity, which can be summarized in one word. And that word is love. The Bible says in John 3:16, we've all heard this verse, even if you are not saved, you have heard this verse. For God loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You've heard it said time and time again that love is a verb by definition an action or state or an occurrence it is a verb and we are compelled by god's love for us through jesus we are not only to receive his love for ourselves by faith but we are also to replicate that same love by doing for others if you meet somebody who says that they have been compelled by god's love through jesus christ and they're not only they're only focused on receiving his love for themselves, but they're not willing to replicate that love by doing anything for other people. Once again, be cautious. That person could very well be a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm not playing any games with this. At the end of the day, I know like, listen, we're at the we're at the last days. I don't we don't know how long it's going to take for Christ to return. And I'm just one who believes that we should be ready at all times. Right. And do the best that we can to study, to show ourselves approved, to do the best that we can to be as obedient as we possibly can. And this is one of those areas that is, this is, this is one way to really identify from the beginning if someone is truly a follower of Jesus Christ. If they are truly someone who has been um, raptured by the love of God and, and they desire to render their heart to him. If someone is compelled by God's love through Jesus and they're only willing to receive his love, Oh, I love the Lord, want all the benefits of God, want to be around God's people and everything, but they are not willing to do the work to replicate that same love by doing for other people. Be very careful. In my opinion, the essence of love is faith and the expression 
of love is works. You cannot have one without the other. And love requires both, in my opinion, to be complete. If you love, then you must have faith and you must have works. You have faith as the essence of love and you have works as the expression of love. Love cannot be complete without both of those. If we revisit the very exposed divisions of the Western church, especially as as uh, as it relates to what happened in the past couple years with 2020, I, I think people are like, oh, that was just a crazy thing. Yo, I'm not going to say that God brought COVID, okay? But I will say that God is sovereign and can use COVID to help us see some other things that need to be revealed. We expose uh, what, what, what this pandemic did was actually expose all the more brought to the surface <laughs> the division smoked out let's just call it what it is just smoke this whole thing out the divisions in the western church and we will find that the root of these divisions is a blatant lack of love it is the responsibility of every believer to decide what they believe and be determined to do as they believe because neutral faith produces produces passive work and a passive church is a weak church and a weak church is an ineffective church frankly we know god's heart for humanity is for us to be reconciled to him as sons and daughters that's a very decisive stance that the lord took he desires that all of humanity as we just read in john 3 16 desires that all of humanity is reconciled to him as sons and daughters god made a decisive stance in that regard but his heart for the church, those who believe in, believe in his son, those who believe in Jesus Christ, is for us to be his ambassadors, for us to be culture shifters, for us to be love bearers. And that requires us to respond to this call decisively, void of neutrality. We are not able to be ambassadors, shift culture, and bear love if we are not able to make this decision decisively and to not step out of it and, and to, to hold on to or to marry ourselves to neutrality. The Bible is full of instructions as to how we are to relate to one another and how to take courage in pursuing relationships that are rooted in love. But I believe there's actually one verse in particular that I personally love and has been such a grounding scripture for me, especially in these last couple years, I believe that has been a, an, an overstatement in a lot of ways. It's been overstated. I mean, I'm talking, I've seen this verse thrown all over the place, right? On social media, I've heard it on the radio, I've seen it flashed on TV, I've seen it on t-shirts and everything, and yet it is conveniently ignored and in the last few years, it's been more so ignored by those who ascribe to being followers of Christ or say that they are part of the body of Christ. And that verse is Micah 6 verse 8. And it reads, this is the Christian Standard Version. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you. To act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. But in order for me to get to my point and for us to all understand this verse in its fullness and how parallel it is to our current reality, our current generation, I think it's a very important for us to actually read the previous verses and conveniently 
This particular, these particular set of verses, verses one through eight are entitled, God's lawsuit against Judah. And this is what it reads. Verse one, now listen to what the Lord is saying. Rise, plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your complaint. Listen to the Lord's lawsuit, you mountains and enduring foundations of the earth, because the Lord has a case against his people and he will argue it against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? Or how have I wearied you? Testify against me. Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam ahead of you. My people, remember that King Balak of Moab pr proposed, Remember what King Balak of Moab proposed, what Balaam son of Beor answered him, and what happened from the Acacia Grove to Gilgal, so that you may acknowledge the Lord's righteous acts. What should I bring before the Lord when I come to bow before God on high? How should I come before him with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? What would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousand streams of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgression, the offspring of my body, for my own sin? Mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is the Lord requires of you, to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly before your God. So, though these verses were spoken to the people of Judah by the prophet Micah, these verses hold the same weight to the church of our day. If we are his, if he is our father, and we are his sons and his daughters, their chastisement in these verses is ours. And it's also their exhortation, and it is our exhortation. It's a very strong call out of passivity and out of neutrality. And specifically, it's a call out of forgetfulness. The reality here is that if you read verses four and five again, it recalls, these verses recall God's deliverance and his faithfulness. I will read them again so that we hear them once more. His deliverance and his faithfulness. He says, testify against me. Indeed, I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery. I sent Moses, Aaron, and Miriam ahead of you. This could easily be um, regarded as the Lord taking us out of our sin, out of captivity. Verse 5 says, My people, remember what King Balak of Moab proposed, what Balaam son of Beor answered him, and what happened from the Acacia Grove to Gilgal, so that you may acknowledge the Lord's righteous acts. There are so many things that God has done for us as a people, as a body, as the church, the world over, and specifically in the West, there's so much that God has done. There's so many righteous acts that he's performed for us. And all of these recall God's deliverance and his faithfulness. Now, verses six and seven highlight the people of God's tendency to, to respond to him with religious acts instead of righteous living, which is what he ends up calling us to in verses and verse eight, I'm sorry. So specifically in verses six and seven, this is the typical response that most churchgoers or most people who are Christian by name go to. We respond to God or they, not we, because I'm not trying to be religious. That's not going to happen. Um, but they, they respond 
to God with religious activity as opposed to righteous living. And it says, what should I bring before the Lord when I come to bow down, um, bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with burnt offerings, with year old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 streams of oil? Should I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the offsprings of my body for my own sin? That, that, that's just referencing all the religion, all the legalism that, that people respond to, um, that people have in response to the Lord's faithfulness and his deliverance. Instead, of righteous living, which is what verse eight calls us to, to act justly, to love faithless, uh, uh, to love faithfulness and to walk humbly with the Lord. And I love this verse because it details what we are to do, but it specifically says, he has told each of you what is good. All of these things that are being required of us are good, acting justly, is good before the Lord. Loving faithfulness is good before the Lord. Walking humbly with him is good before the Lord. And that is what he requires of us. Yes, the end of neutrality in the church will begin with our unyielding belief that God is who he says he is. But it will also be the end of neutrality for us to allow our uncompromised behavior to show that we are truly his. The end of neutrality and the renewal of the power of the church will be allegiance to Jesus and active justice. If you say that you are with him, you will act justly, period. The end of neutrality and the renewal of the power of the church will be loving faithfulness to God and loving faithfulness to his work. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot be faithful to God and not love faithfulness to his work. The end of neutrality and the renewal of the power of the church will be that every son and every daughter will walk humbly before God. There's no such thing as a church that is not humble. There's no such thing as a follower who is not humble. There's no such thing as a disciple who is not humble or a student who is not humble. We cannot learn and we cannot grow and we cannot thrive if we are not humble. And humility is the doorway to understanding the weight of what we are called to do in our allegiance to Jesus, to act justly, to love mercy or faithfulness to God and faithfulness to his work. This is what is required of the church. This is what's required of every believer. This, in my opinion, is the evidence of love. And if you love him, if you say that you are a Christian and you love Jesus, the Bible says that you will keep his commandments. And while somebody might be listening and someone may want to argue and say, Micah, is not a part of the commandments in the New Testament, I am very sorry to break it to you, but every scripture in the Bible is God-breathed and is to be regarded as holy before the Lord. And if we are followers of Jesus, we do not argue details, we obey. That's what we do. Because at the end of the day, if your life is not reflectant of God, 
you need to probably fall back on on your profession and that's real and i'm not just saying that to be like super hardcore or anything like that i have had to do it many a time and the lord does not require us to do that he doesn't tell us to you know basically you know reject the fact that you're a christian or don't tell people that you're a christian as we talked about a couple weeks ago the whole point of being a christian is testifying as to why you need the sanctification of jesus why we need jesus so my point is not to say that you take away your profession and you no longer you know you become a closet christian no that's not how we're supposed to live but what i am saying is that if you are a lover of god and you are unwilling to obey the lord it's okay for you to take a step back and to not put yourself out there and give mixed messages to people who, who are looking for the light, who are looking for the truth. If you're not ready to do it, don't be about that, you know, talk in life. You got to walk as you talk. Don't be about that. If you can't follow through with what God's asking you to do, you need to be quiet. And that's okay. At the end of the day, the Bible is very clear. They will know that we are Christians by our love for one another and our love for others. And so I say that I love Jesus. I do. I believe that I love Jesus. I do. And I want to love Jesus. And as a daughter and a professed member of his body, his church, I personally refuse to be neutral on the issues of justice, on the issues of mercy, or of acting faithfully before the Lord and on the issue of walking humbly before him. I refuse. So before my community and my culture and you know my my local environments, they will know that I am a disciple of Jesus by my unbridled faith. And they will know that I'm a disciple of Jesus by my uncompromised love that I have for my brothers and my sisters in the Lord. That's just what it is. It's as simple as that. I came into this and I, I last week I was so set to come guns blazing to really like indict the church, you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, judgment begins at the house of God and the one who is righteous and just is God himself. So all I have to do is bring you to his word. That's facts. That's it. Now, if we have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, your, your girl might get hot. I might get a little tight and get heated, get a little loud, you know what I'm saying? But like for right now, I'm like, okay, Lord, for the masses and for the mere fact that I am among the masses, I am part of the fold. I'm gonna come at this as humbly as I know how. I'm gonna give them your word. I'm gonna lay it down. I'm gonna be as brief as possible. And then I'm just gonna leave it alone and let you do what you do. That's it. I can't change you. I can't convince you, but I surely can give you some truth and, and pray that it ministers to your heart and that that seed sets in and it bears much fruit. So if you are his, I say pray for me as I pray for you. If you are not a Christian, I pray that you have or you will meet true believers who are marked by love. True believers who are not neutral, which sometimes means that they may do or say things that are in line with the word of God that are not going to be okay for you. Some things are, and it's true, and it's real. The reality is we are set apart to be set apart. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. So there are things about being a true believer of Christ that just don't mesh with the world. It's going to be countercultural. 
But the reality is, no matter how countercultural it is, no matter how point pointed it is, no matter how um how um clearly marked it is, because it's not supposed to be divisive, but it is supposed to be clear. No matter how much all that is, the reality is it should be led with love. It should be marked by love. And the only way you will know someone is truly a believer is by how they love you. Love tells the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love endures all things. Love suffers long. Love extends a hand. Love lends a shoulder or a listening ear. Love, love, love. Love is a verb. Love is an action. Love is not receiving God for yourself and not being willing to, to share him with others. That is not love. And so if you have seen that and it's been if it's it's been labeled Christianity, it is not. If you have seen that and it's been labeled from God, it is not. The love that comes from Christ is powerful and it's changing. It's life changing. And we as his ambassadors, we as his his culture shifters, we as his love bearers, we don't make that for you. We don't do that for you, but we will model it. And that's what's most important. And so once again, if you're not a Christian, I pray sincerely that you have or will meet true believers who are marked by love. And I hope that I am one of those for you. Even if I've never met you, I pray that my words have been an encouragement to you. I pray that you know without a shadow of a doubt that um, that I'm doing this because of love. It's such a sobering thought. That we have become so weak as a church. And there are holes in our testimony because of our unwillingness to love. Our unwillingness to sacrifice ourselves. There's so many of us who are so busy trying to fulfill those religious you know, activities, the offerings, the, the doing more. Oh, I'll just serve at my local church and I'll just do this or I'll give more money <laughs> and then get a tax write-off for it. You feel me? There's some stuff going on behind closed doors that I can't even go into right now that are just not biblical. There's there's a type of, of, of a form of godliness, a form of Christianity that is operated so strongly in this in this Western hemisphere that is not Bible. I've had to I've had to sit across from leaders and and have conversations with them and halfway through the conversation say i don't believe you and i believe the same bible and they look right back at me and they're like no what are you talking about we absolutely do no we don't <laughs> we just don't i still love you but i believe differently about what the bible is saying about how we are to treat one another about what the bible is saying about sacrifice 
The Bible is very clear. Greater love has no man than this, that he should lay down his life for his friend. And Jesus Christ modeled that by taking on the form of man and not considering his equality with God a thing to be grasped, taking, his, taking flesh upon himself and dying a slave's death for our sins. He did not have to do that, but he was a model. And our lives right now in some areas, specifically in the West, where we are not being physically persecuted, right? Where there are other, other uh, brothers and sisters of Christ in other parts of the world who are. But we here have, have, have a special, not even a special grace, but we are, we are privileged, as privileged can be, to not have our death in our faces by way of our belief every single day. And yet, we find it difficult to sacrifice our daily pleasures, to sacrifice our personal preferences for the sake of true unity, but frankly, for the sake of us having power as a church to be disciples of Jesus Christ, who go out there and make disciples of Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have fallen back from what is paramount as believers, and that is to multiply faith in people in Jesus Christ. We've missed it. So now what we do is go around arguing with each other, talking theology and denominations and all this stuff, who knows best, who knows this, who knows whatever, and the rest, then the world is just looking at us like, yo, what y'all doing? You believe the same God? Really? really it's bad and and as a as a believer as a as a, a born again believer when i walk into some local establishments church establishments and i just by way of what it is that i do in those churches or how i serve in those churches whether through worship or leading women or whatever the case may be so sometimes i might be um you know my face is familiar, right? <laughs> Whatever. My face is familiar. If I can walk into a local establishment, a local church establishment, and I can look at a brother or sister or somebody that I assume is a brother and sister, you showed up here. So that means you you rocking with Christ, right? In some capacity. Or I've seen you multiple times. And if I say something to you and I say hello to you and you can't say hello to me in, in the house, how am I supposed to believe that when you go out in the world that you loving on unbelievers? How? It's not happening. If I am your brother or sister in Jesus Christ and I'm sitting next to you in the pews and you can't even say hello sincerely, I definitely don't believe that you're going to understand the plight of a woman who has just had to abort her child. I definitely don't believe you're going to understand the plight of a woman who's been sex trafficked. I definitely don't believe you're going to understand the plight of someone who is um, black indigenous, who is a black indigenous person of, of color who's dealing with the, the, the systemic oppression of our nation. I don't believe you for one second if you can't even say hi to your brother or sister in Christ. And if I don't believe you, they won't believe you. And I don't even have to say that they don't believe you because your actions, your lack of love, your lack of works, your lack of faith in works proves that. 
You're so comfortable with yourself. You're too comfortable with your preference. And that is not the way of the Lord. You're too comfortable giving offerings to God and making a big show of what you do. And he rejects it. He rejects it in you. He rejects it in me. And he tells us what, tells us what is required of us. And that is to seek justice. That is to love mercy, to love faithfulness, to love compassion, to love kind-heartedness, and to walk humbly before the Lord. If we are not doing that, we are neutral at best. If we are not doing that, we must question whether we are His. And that is fact upon fact upon fact. We have to ask ourselves those questions. And if we as believers are unwilling to do that, the world will remind us, trust me, as they are already, that we are no better than anybody else. And, and, and in essence, we aren't. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But we should be better representatives of what is good, what is lovely, what is pure, what is righteous, and what is love. In Jesus' name. That is my heart for us on this podcast, for all of you listening, that we do this thing together, believer and unbeliever alike, that we come together in some semblance of understanding as unto the Lord under his banner and work this thing out so we can be about the father's business. Like I'm over it. I'm so over it. I'm going to digress before I let my flesh catch up. <laughs> I'm not trying to go into that direction right now. I'm sleepy. But it is what it is. So next week, <laughs> I'd like to discuss neutrality and rest in our communities. That's going to be an important one. Because we need to talk about how this thing fleshes out beyond ourselves. Once we start at the house of God, how is this going to affect our community? So I really hope you all tune into that. And by the way, I still have every intention of recapping select episodes throughout the months and everything but um, it's fall break this week and one of my besties is coming into town so i'm really excited to see her um, and just take some time to rest like i said it's been a mad busy week i'm exhausted um but i'm looking forward to whatever days the lord has before me um yeah that said i'm just gonna delay the recap to week four and i might just keep it week four of each month we'll see how it goes but Thank you again for listening. I bless you, my friends. Until next time.